Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast, produced by me, Fraser McGrewer, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision-making. I'm here with Chris Ragg and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights, and this week we're discussing Gavin Williamson. Chris, go for it. Well, as uh, loyal listeners to our podcasts will will know, uh, Gavin Williamson has featured on at least I I, th- I think it's three. Uh, mm. We couldn't recall what the third was, but we've we've talked about him in in a range of uh, of contexts before. Mm, we love um, him. Yeah, we, we he, he's <laughs> he's endlessly fascinating and um, an intriguing personality, and and seems to trail. Um, sort of crises and um you know interesting interesting sort of uh, fallout from from all of his, his decisions who is he sketch right sketch, okay so he is um he's a conservative politician mm-hmm. he's uh served a number of ministerial positions including education secretary and defense secretary mm. um he's also been the chief whip uh, and he's he's been involved in yeah he's basically lost his position on a number of occasions, um, once for leaking details of, of sort of classified conversations, um, also for uh, he's been kind of largely ridiculed for his handling of, of things like um, exams uh, and you know crises around our ability to actually mark exams properly. Do you remember? But you um, remember he wouldn't he wouldn't say what his A level results were. He was asked what his A level. He gave us. He told a story about getting his A level results, but he refused to disclose <laughs> what he got. Which presumably they're relatively easy to find out, which seems well, a bit silly. I, don't, I know, but or did I, we ever find out? I don't know. I don't. Maybe people thought he was, he was probably embarrassed because they were probably like got three A's. That's probably what it is. Right? Mm. Maybe four. I, and then he yeah, wouldn't look I, like a man of the people. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, um, yeah, I, I, I think he's always. Um, and anyway, he's this. He's this um, sort of tragicomic uh, character. He's um, also a knight. Is he? Yeah, he's a knight now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which he's been knighted. Yeah, which is incredible, really. Yeah, yeah. how has that happened? Uh, and also, not to sort of be snobbish or stuff, but he didn't—he didn't have the most sparkling of careers before entering politics. No, that's right. right. So, was, yeah. and that's part of you know, th- there's this whole issue around him of um, perhaps chip on the shoulder, perhaps also rightly feeling like he's you know he's looked down upon by the rest of the the parliamentary party. Um, but so so yeah, I think of him as like. Uh, like a pound shop Richard Nixon, really. Yeah, <laughs> good. <laughs> That's a nice description. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, also, if I think of, if I think of, you know, words when I think of it, liar, incompetent, idiot, um, wannabe Machiavellian, but not, he, yeah. he wanted to cultivate this when he was chief, particularly this sort of, um, that he was dark art sort of, but no, he was just a, a, a yeah, incompetent yeah. twat who's quite nasty as well. Is that kind of fair? Or I, I being think so, harsh? but I've got, I've, I've also got a bit of a soft spot. All right, okay. Anyway, but yeah, um, I know, but I think the interesting thing there is it's sort of incompetent, like, like which turns him into a figure of of, of ridicule rather than one who could be disliked actively. I think mm. that's the difference yeah. here. He looks a bit. Uh, exactly, he's a bit he, like he, a sort of um, geography teacher. He's very nerdy yeah. looking, yeah, yeah. Um, and and he's he's got a really nasal voice as well, so it, like a reedy tone. You know, it's yeah. um, sorry so, about all this, Gavin. Yeah, 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 I know he's a keen listener to the yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No offense, <laughs> yeah. So, so um, Gavin. Anyway, Sir Gavin. right. So having th- everybody thought his political career was was over, mm. um, 
uh, as when Rishi Sunak was appointed prime minister, he he brought him back into into mm. the cabinet, and he had an extremely brief cameo um, because no sooner had he been appointed than. Um, a whole series of bullying accusations sort of came through. Mm. Chief among them was um, the uh, the sort of claims brought against him by uh, the former chief whip, not him, a, a woman called um, Wendy Morton, who was Liz Truss. Um, uh, people may have forgotten about her already. She was <laughs> um, very briefly our prime minister. Um, and... Uh, during one of the many crises of them trying to get people to um, to vote for them, uh, there was a there was a, a WhatsApp exchange between Wendy Morton and Gavin Williamson, uh, in in which he is alleged um, and and indeed I think um, subsequently sort of agreed by the Prime Minister that he engaged in bullying behaviour. Mm. Um, and so he was then um, removed from his position, sacked. This was when he, because that um, event was, I think it was about the day before she resigned, wasn't it? It was... More or less. It was the whole um, um, It was the whole debacle around whatever that vote was about yeah. that, that they nearly lost. And then they said it was a, you know, a three-line whip and then yeah. they withdrew that. And the chief whip herself had a, a sort of, uh, you know, there were rumours of her resigning on the day, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So there's obviously, there was a real pressure cooker run up to that. Yeah. And obviously a lot of uh, pressure. But actually his his WhatsApp exchange was primarily driven, um, uh, or at least the, the original thread of it was driven by a sense of grievance about the fact that he hadn't been invited to some <laughs> part of the Queen's funeral. That's right. Um, yeah. so, so that really is another great example of why Gavin Williamson's so intriguing, this sort of peevishness about a slight, a perceived slight, or I, I should have been, you know, about something that was supposed to be about the Queen's death. Yeah. But with that, but so, without the insight and self-awareness to know how it comes over when you behave like that, which is what people, I think, largely mean by having a chip on your shoulder, is, right. is that you feel like you've been slighted, but you go on about it. Yeah. It's and all very well to feel like you've been slighted, but if you go on about it, you're just making it worse. People right. are just going to think, hang on, they're, they're right to slight you. And associated yeah. with that, an arrogance and conceit mm. that... It's okay to be like that. Well, I think we should put on. some flesh on these bones. This is conjecture so far, right? It's so. right. So why don't we go through? Shall we do a bit of the text messages? Yeah. Right. So, so, this so is, what are these text messages? We're going to do some so drama is, now. Yeah. Okay. Do some drama. Um, the, well, Chris, why don't you put the text messages in in context? Because and you're going to be Sir Gavin, and uh, I'm going to yes. be Wendy Morton. Yeah. So, well, as I said, so this is a WhatsApp exchange. Um, between uh, Gavin, so this is their their sort of personal thread that was subsequently kind of released to the media in order to to make the case for or against um, uh, bullying. Hmm. So so yes, it starts off sort of around the Queen's funeral or after the Queen's funeral when Gavin had been slighted, hmm. and it moves through to this this crucial vote that, mm -hmm, we, that mm -hmm. we talked about. So who is so you're um, going to read this? Here's I'll, Sir Gavin. I'll be I'll be Wendy Morton. Brilliant. Um, I'll tr I'll try and do Gavin William, and I'll try and do Wendy as well. They're both okay. they're both Northerners. Not that that's pertinent or anything. <clears throat> Think very poor how parliamentary colleagues who aren't favoured have been excluded from the funeral. Very poor and sends a very clear message. That is not the case, Gavin. Well, certainly looks like it, which think is very shit, and perception becomes reality. Also, don't forget. 
I know how this works, so don't push me about. As I said above, that's simply not the case, Gavin. The number of places allocated was extremely limited. It's very clear how you are going to treat a number of us, which is very stupid, and you are showing F all interest in pulling things together. Don't bother asking anything from me. Also, this shows exactly how you have rigged it. It is disgusting. You are using her death to punish people who are just supporting absolutely disgusting. Gavin, again, this is not the case whatsoever. Well, let's see how many more times you F us all over. There is a price for everything. Next day. Morning, Gavin. I hear from your whip you're probably not voting this evening. Is that a problem? We are on a three-line whip. Thanks. Thank you for your patronising and condescending tone. You're welcome to come and see me and explain best wishes. You do know you can speak to people in your job and don't just text them. There's absolutely no need for you to take this tone, Gavin. I'm trying to help. How are you? I'm fine. <laughs> no, how are you helping? But very glad you were fine. Look at my voting record. Step back and think how you are dealing with people, and then maybe talk to people. I am currently with my poorly dog at the vets. What? <laughs> I, I will give you some time to reflect on how you are dealing and treating people. I need no lecture from you, Gavin. When I ask a civil question, I will call you later. End of exchange. Good Lord, well, that was sort of... Um, riveting stuff. Riveting. It's like Game of Thrones, isn't it? Well, it's like Game of Thrones, but written by... Um, what's the name of that northern playwright? <laughs> Alan Bennett. Alan Bennett. <laughs> yeah, that's what it sounded like. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. Wow. Um, okay, so what do we make of all this? I, look, what do we make of all this, one? But two, um, yes, we're talking about Gavin Williamson... What are we really talking about? What's the point of this? Well, I, can I, I just want to say something about the text messages first. Yeah, yeah. Chris is going to bring in probably the, the more uh, pertinent issue. But I, with the worst will in the world, because mm. I really want to find Gavin Williamson annoying, I'm not that, that doesn't bother me too much. I don't, I don't think I would read that and think that's really tremendously offensive. I would imagine it's probably a good reflection of, you know, how how MPs, you know, interact with each other. So so it's, it's not like, it's not like he's, I think, being incredibly rude to her, but he's he's just has this really uh, obnoxious sense of entitlement which comes out of it. I think that's the, that's the issue. But and, and I think if you look at the question of whether or not it's bullying, yeah. which is what he was accused of, I mean, I, mean, I sort of looked at the, um, the UK Gov guidance on bullying and harassment in the workplace. Yeah. Um, and they, they say... Which you'd um, been looking up anyway, hadn't you? Uh, well, they? quite, because, yes, for, yeah. for other reasons, yeah. obviously, yeah. yeah. Um, but they, it's a how-to guide for <laughs> yeah, 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 quite, yeah. Yeah, the, the, uh, the management list of uh, things to do. Um, so, so, yeah, and it says, basically, that it's behaviour that makes someone feel intimidated or offended. So straight away, a subjective element to that. But then it, it yeah. says examples of it are um, spreading malicious rumours, unfair treatment picking on or regularly undermining somebody, denying someone training or promotion opportunities, right? That's mm. bullying in, in the workplace. And then there's another, there's another definition that I looked at from the, the, um, the charity, the Anti-Bullying Alliance, where they say, and I, I sort of think this is probably closer to what most people think of as, as bullying, 
the repetitive intentional hurting of one person or group by another person or group where the relationship involves an imbalance of power. It can happen face-to-face -face or online. And I, I, one of the key things there for me is the imbalance of power. Mm. Um, and actually, under these circumstances, you know, she's the government representative and the chief whip, and he's uh, uh, jumped up now. So you'd have thought um, it would be the other way around. So yeah. it would have been the other way around. And I, I don't think you can really look at, um, I mean, there's a perhaps a, a routine, you know, we don't know all the context around this. There's maybe a routine element to this, a reg, you know, regularity. Um, but I, but he's not in a position to deny or, or um, you know, her opportunity. Well, well in fact, if well, anything, if anything... She's doing that to him yeah. by deliberately excluding him from the Queen's funeral, which let's let's run with it. If that's his perception, he felt intimidated and offended by. Well, that. maybe, yeah, yeah. but yeah. also the interesting thing was I think you you mentioned it in the past when we've discussed uh, Gavin Williamson, is um, that uh, he actually it is seen as a bit of a figure of fun by his colleagues, right? Yeah. So maybe he's right to feel that he's being bullied um, and excluded well, from the Queen's funeral. Well, look how many times he's been sacked from the cabinet, know. for example. <laughs> no, I'm, I, I'm, it's a real turnaround in my mind. I'm now seeing Gab, poor old Sir Gavin as the victim here. Well, yeah, I can see why. However, what I like, um, that second definition you're talking about was imbalance of power, and, it, and it's exactly that. Well, what is power? Because in theory, the chief whip, part of their job is kind of bullying a little bit, mm. uh, as I understand it. Um, but also, what is power? Because I think one of the things that he's famous for is somehow each time managing to be the, the 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 right person for he can get you support he can do deals he's apparently very good at what's the is it inveigling what's it called uh, getting yourself yeah. into the right position as it mm. were and so he does have this kind of well, though he's not the chief whip, and in theory, Wendy had more power. In practice, he's got some sort of. He's got of, his network. Yeah, part, but all, yeah. and he kind of, I think he hints at that as well, or more than hints when he says, I wrote the phrase, I know how this works, mm. which is quite a threatening thing. And actually, I, I don't know what he means, but maybe she meant, knew what he meant. I, I, don't I know. think, I, I will paraphrase it yeah. as um, you, I know you can't come out and say that I'm being kept away from the Queen's funeral as a punishment, but I know that that's really it, so don't deny it. Okay. You know. I said, so we it all was know more, what's it was really more in reference on. to that. I thought it was more in reference to there are things that I can do. I know how this game works. Oh well, he does so say there's yeah. a price for everything, doesn't okay. he? And so there is a bit of there is a bit of that. There's a bit of a uh, kind of veiled threat. Yeah. So anyway, looking at this, and this is what he was forced to resign over. Was it specifically this, this, these messages, or just a more well, general thing? So, so there is also so we need to get there to our alleged there are alleged. Um, uh, things that were brought up by a civil servant um, in when he was in the MOD that were lingering around, which were much more, you know, this was minister to civil servant, so that's much more um, relatable to to yeah. the the bullying sort of definition. And the the alleged terms were about slitting your throat and jumping out of a window. So that's that. Uh, you, was you, that him you as well? Sh you should jump out of a window. Yes, that was him. So so you know, were those to be proven uh, uh, to be true, then that would be a clear cut case, I think, in most people's mind of of bullying type mm -hmm. behaviour. So yeah, um, although I mean, it is Fraser did talk about you know how does imbalance of power work and what kinds of power are we talking about because. Um, you know, it's not straightforward, minister and civil servant. The ministers don't have the power to fire civil servants as such. I'm sure they could make life difficult for them if they wanted to go out of their way to do it. But it, they're not straightforwardly your boss um, mm. as as a civil servant as such. Um, so the question is whether, 
the the way that you know he he's interacting with people is kind of inappropriate for the sort of relationship he's got with them. Um, I mean, but do we want to go down that avenue or not? Because look, I I think what we really want to talk about, and I want to bring us onto this, is you know what is acceptable behaviour, what is unacceptable behaviour, and how that might change in certain contexts. Mm. Because it seems to me, am I on the right track here? Do we want to talk about this? Right. Because it seems to me, one thing I see in politics, but you see it in other things like sport, for example, is I'm astonished at the way that people behave in a in what is a professional context. They're getting paid for it. Um, and I just know that if I were to ever have done that in my career, mm. Um, with the exception of shouting on this podcast, maybe. No, but if I were, have, have ever done that in my career or witnessed anyone doing that, it would be a big deal, mm. okay? And those people, would, first of all, they probably wouldn't do it anyway because we all have to behave. Mm. Um, and, and actually, as an aside, I often feel my, my family gets the worst of me because I have to behave when I'm out here <laughs> like with my voice to the world. Um, and it's when I go home that I'm... The you brutality know, starts. Exactly, it's all yeah. pent up, you know, and, and, and yeah. So... And I see it in politics, but also not just in this unreasonable behaviour of, of bullying, let's say, but also just, um, uh, I mean, more recently with, um, what's the name of the Home Secretary? Um, uh, Suela Braverman? Yeah, her, who had to resign, but then got put back in again um, because of using her personal mm. email, right, uh, for, for, for work reasons. I've never really, I don't think I've ever used my personal work email for in, in a professional capacity or linked it to my my salaried work. Well, let alone, you're not you're not a minister. Let alone you're not emailing with, about. Let alone being the Home Secretary yeah. and national secret. And I just think, who the fuck are these people? Yeah. yeah so it just reminds me of the expenses scandal of, of a few years right. ago. Um, you know where uh, where there was all these absolutely outrageous expenses claims being made by MPs. Um, uh, you know, in in a. Uh, and obviously, as a civil servant, you've got ab this ab just absolutely no way you could claim for any of those things, you know, right. uh, regardless of the fact that, you know, and it was just not not a totally dissimilar set of rules. So the question is, is it? Well, I know you've you've sort of said is it about what behave? How does context affect behaviour? Or but is it a problem actually with just politics or, or with a small subset of professions? Is there something about politics, something about sport? Um, you know, which encourages this kind of behaviour, or is it uh, slightly more indirect and to do with the kinds of people who end up doing those things? Quite. Um, yes. Well, I, so so I mean, I think when you raise those two areas, and the other one that I think, so I think in most people's in, in most professional people's career, uh, there there is a sense of uh, you read about these behaviours and you think, well, that's not that wouldn't be tolerable. I've never, I, I might have experienced that once, but it was clearly unacceptable behavior and somebody was, you know, disciplined or I moved jobs because of it or whatever, you know. Um, but the things you mentioned, mm -hmm. politics, sport, the other area I think uh, you, you get this kind of very, um, uh, ad, uh, this, this very aggressive, combative um, uh, uh, sort of area is, is in sort of finances. You you hear mm. these stories of you know certainly in the olden days on the on the sort of trading floor and you know the the, the kind of culture of of big investment banks. And there's an element there I think in all of those where these are um, adversarial environments. Uh, you know highly so sport it's you against your opposition and you must beat your opposition politics is clearly adversarial 
um, and finance is sort of, you know, uh, dog eat dog, you know, it's it's either we make a profit or, you know, and they make a loss or, or vice versa. Sort of nil-sum gain type things. Yeah. Um, so, okay, I think that's a really good start for a theory. So what we're saying is behaviour is primarily rent-seeking. So just explain what that means. It means that there's a sort of fixed amount of wealth and you're trying to grab your bit, right? As opposed to a kind of endeavour where you're creating wealth. Um, so wealth in this context, in the context of, uh, you know, um, well, sport, only one person can win. You can't you can't all get together and sort of all win somehow. Unless um, it's a school sports day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and, you know, politics, there's only a certain number of MPs and you've got to you there's only one prime minister. It's like you're there's there's a restricted. I think quantity. we're on the wrong track. Well, keep going. Well, no. And track. the reason why I think uh, it, there are other professions which we haven't talked about that I've, I, it's always slightly puzzled me. Um, have an incredible amount of sort of drama in them. Mm. And, and uh, I know it's sort of a subcategory of sport, but chess, uh, phenomenal amount of competitiveness in chess. But also, like, the arts has always puzzled me. You take something like music. Um, musicians and actors and people like yes. that all tend to, tend to be the, the bitchiest people I've yeah, ever yeah, met. Yeah. You know, and, um, and, and really sort of there's just a lot of rivalry there. I, see, I think we're going down the wrong... Well, no, so, but, but, I it, want but to it say, fits but in. There's only a certain number of positions. For, you're I fighting think, for a small number no, of positions. there's something else. And I keep saying I think there's something else. But before I, before I reveal my huge point, yeah. Chris, you look like you want well, to... Well, yeah, so I was going to say the other place, um, that, and this is where I think it all sort of stems from the other area which has traditionally and maybe less so recently um, but certainly traditionally been a a haven of bullying type behavior is military the military environment and uh, you know that that idea of um, you know think of Full Metal Jacket and the, mm. the drill sergeant. Certainly in popular culture, and you know the, 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 the you know the sergeant major shouting at new recruits and so on and that that not being something you would you know experience if you worked in a library for example um but but and so what i think this boils down to is um essentially that that all these things mass uh, um, mimic warfare in some way and warfare is is the stem of it and this need that you're in an environment where aggression and violence and intimidation and bullying are what you need to do to other people and what you need to resist from your from your enemy um, and that therefore that becomes part of the way you're trained to do things and part of your training is about getting used to that kind of thing and not going, oh, I'm having a bit of a crisis because somebody just shouted at me when you're about to wander out yeah. onto a battlefield. Yeah. So. I've, I've got some oh, data. Well, no, I want to interrupt us because... Oh, yeah. I think I think the military... Podcasters although, interrupt us. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I think, yes, of course, there have been lots of well-documented instances of bullying in the military. Um, but I think the military is a bit different from the other areas that we've talked about because of its... One, it's so hierarchical but also because of that atmosphere, it's a very explicitly kind of combative. Um, but but you of, also get like a are. level of camaraderie you don't get anywhere else. Yeah, and often it's well. to do with building up that camaraderie mm. and that bullying goes over. And, and But anyway, it, I mean, it does cross over with these other areas, but I think it's about something else actually than what we've been talking about. Right, we've talked about the zero the sum, theory. that it's competitive and so on. I think this is different. So to recap, the areas we've talked about is politics, finance, sport. And actually, yes, I agree. 
the arts and music and all that sort of area. I think it's to do with something else, which is this. So those areas lend themselves to entitled behaviour. Because let's say in finance, in high finance, the most important thing, more or less, is making huge loads of money. And if someone makes huge loads of money, um, they can more or less do what they want. If you're a great goal scorer, you can do what the hell you want. If you're the person who can make uh, help make the next prime minister, you can get away with what you want. If arts, if you are a fabulous lauded um, artist or musician and get paid as much as you want and you start to get separated out, so you get treated in this special way and you start to act in an entitled yeah, I manner. I think, to be I honest... Think, yeah, I think that's what it's about. Yeah, but Go on. And you just don't get that in, in the more humdrum, regular walks of life, just going into office and so on. No, no but I think all what you've done is represent one of the things we've talked about yeah. before which is just the the something to do with the distribution like it's a, a small because it number is of people sum, right yeah. yeah a small number of people have a disproportionate well it is slightly different actually but it's a small number of people have a disproportionate amount of power in something yeah and and so if you imagine sort of yeah so yeah, uh, i think that fits in yeah actually like uh chess superstars um uh, often you know they're the, they're the, they're the, there's like a few of them and everyone else is just an also ran yeah it does and, fit actually, uh, yeah. yeah so so I think it maybe the shape of the distribution is is important if it's a, got that kind of long very long tail mm. um you know and and actually that is characteristic of those sorts of you know to, to so boiler repairmen um you know fall on a normal distribution mm. you know you mm. don't get one boiler repairman who gets paid uh, a million pounds per yeah. boiler and and does them all he's superstar yeah. he's got an incredible um, ride so so I think it's probably I <clears throat> yeah um, so I think th that does sort of explain, um, I think, where you were likely to get this kind of behaviour, mm -hmm. um, regardless of whether it's effective. I mean, I, I, t I suspect the problem with Gavin Williamson is he's not doing it very effectively and that the, the, what separates him is not that he's not that he's more Machiavellian. It's just that he's more effective at it. Mm. But anyway, I've got I looked at some data about leadership. Yep. And um, and what kinds of personality traits uh, tend to promote um uh, sort of well people's people being leaders and, and mm -hmm. being successful in leadership or being um or being successful being, in becoming yeah, I leaders. bet we start talking about psychopathy and so on well there's so the some interesting things so just about leadership in general right um so this is correlations between being a leader and having a certain personality type so um the the, the uh extroversion key Right out of the sort of big five personality factors, extroversion is is definitely positively correlated with becoming a leader. Neuroticism is definitely uh, correlated with um, not becoming a leader. Right, so that so you need to be low on neuroticism and mm. high on extroversion mm -hmm. to, be, to to get into the leadership game. Really, mm -hmm. um, obviously these are only correlations and they're not true of in every case but the interesting thing is looking at uh, uh there's, there's this study i found which was i think judge et al from about 20 years ago uh where they looked at emergence and effectiveness so this is who gets to become a leader mm -hmm. and who's good once they're already a leader oh. and this is where there's some really interesting, interesting differences yeah. so extroversion is sort of good for both right mm -hmm. neuroticism is bad for both very straightforward mm. um openness kind of good good for both but agreeableness um actually in a, a, agreeableness makes you less likely to become a leader but it makes you more effective if you are a leader now this is yeah this is the the key thing i think here is that the kinds of people in order to get into power being agreeable for whatever reason we could speculate is bad yeah. so nice guys are less likely to become 
uh, leaders, but they make more effective leaders once you're there. So I, th I think, you know, the practical outcome of this, if you're designing a kind of uh, leadership selection mechanism, mm. is ignore the people who, um, you know, look like they're uh, apprentice contestants. Go for the people who are actually team players. They're more likely to be mm. be uh, good leaders. And, and then the other interesting one is uh, conscientiousness, which um, has a much bigger effect on um, emergence than it does on effectiveness. So, Sorry, say that one again. Con I conscientiousness. So, okay. so you know, the people who are kind of diligent, conscientious, yeah. it means what you think it means, yeah. um, are more likely to get into a leadership position, but it doesn't really make them much more effective once they're there. Hmm. So there we are. That's the that is. I thought that was interesting. So um, yeah. So I, basically, look out for people who are disagreeable and conscientious because yeah. they they're more they're going to get into power, but they're not going to be very good. I'm just thinking of some British prime ministers. I think also what's interesting about you know getting into power and what you're like in power, and I think a classic sort of um, conflict or. Uh, or contrast rather is Margaret Thatcher, conviction politician, followed by John Major, yeah. consensus politician. Yeah, so disagree. Um, Margaret Thatcher, you'd say, was disagreeable. I think mm. uh, you know certainly sort of falls on the disagreeable. Whereas John Major probably much more agreeable. Rishi and, Sunak strikes me as agreeable. Yeah. Um, jo Boris Johnson probably less so. Uh, yeah. And and then you've got the extrovert introvert. It's hard. Obviously, we don't really know. I'm guessing, but um, I would guess that Margaret Thatcher and Tony Blair were classic extroverts. Yeah. And whereas Gordon Brown. You know, a bit of a, a classic introvert. Yeah. Uh, um, and if just only they'd assessed Liz Truss before. Yeah. She, yeah, they should have done. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they I think. found she was suboptimal on every <laughs> yeah. category. Yeah. I just also famously, I don't know if it's true, if it's just anecdotal, was John Major. One of the re one of the things that helped him sort of actually uh, get elected from within the parliamentary party was, I think he was ill around the time that all right. the all the stuff was happening. I wasn't able to be involved in the intrigue. I have no idea if that's not true. I have no idea if that's true or not. Um, so yeah. I did one one last thing, which. Yeah. It's just the, the different uh, how effectiveness in different um, areas. And they so he's actually broken down. And this is a meta analysis. So they looked at studies of people in business and studies of people in government and the military. And it turns that it turns out that uh, uh, leadership uh, for leadership and business, openness is important, um, but not in government or the military, whereas conscientiousness is less effective in business than it is in, in the government or the military. Hmm. So there you go. Anyway, that's that's Lots the data I found, like the that. data. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, we actually spent quite a long time at the beginning of this really delving into Gavin Williamson and why hmm. wouldn't you, you know? Um, but we need to, to wrap up soonish. Um, what, what haven't we covered? What do we want to move well, on before well, I've got a question or two? Yeah, well, I was I was going to say one of the things um, that I'm I'm sort of quite interested in is is um, the effectiveness of this kind of behaviour and also the ability to sort of stop it. And I think most most people agree that it's it's not terribly effective, like losing your temper, for example, with with people rarely and there are lots of cases where people do lose their temper and they subsequently lose their lose their job so certainly in today's environment it doesn't seem like losing your temper is is um is terribly effective but what what i'm quite interested in is how people because it's a very human reaction to lose your your temper or at least for for, for a lot of people um and i i um came across this study that was quite quite interesting where they were looking at um effectively how people avoid losing their their um, their temper, and they conducted this study uh, where they were basically the subjects had to read out a series of um, uh, sort of an answer a series of questions. They were kind of being interviewed, but it was also there was an element they had to get them right in some way. 
and they were you going through a microphone and they were on a stage and there were sort of in interviews and um, essentially the 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 sort of interviewer would would interrupt them th throughout and pretend not to be able to hear them and then at the final instant uh, they would shout at them uh, look this is the third time I've had to say this can't you follow directions speak louder Right, which instantly, even reading that in a dispassionate scientific journal, got got my goat. Um, yeah. So, so it was obviously a well-constructed study. And what they what they found was um, essentially that um, they were looking at this idea of um, self-distancing, right, which means basically stepping out of the moment and viewing yourself externally. Um, and, and it was sort of being thought up until that point that it's very difficult to do that in the heat of the moment, right? You can oh. do that retrospectively. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. But when emotions take over, you, you can't do that. And, and so, um, but they found some people were able to, to, to do that. Um, and that they, you know, they had particular, um, uh, so, sort of particularly high emotional um, uh, in, intelligence. And that, um, you know, they sort of followed um, particular kinds of uh, um, strategies like, you know, distancing themselves from, uh, or rather distancing the person from the point that they're, that they're making, um, uh, being able to um, think about the perspectives of other people, sort of theory of mind kind of stuff. So I was, I was quite interested in that idea that, um, you know, how, how people manage to not not lose their temper mm. and this idea. And what I realized is that I've been self-distancing my entire <laughs> life. That's all I do. I, I never um, actually, you know, uh, uh, um, view the situation from within my within myself, which probably explains why I would never lose my, my temper. Actually, th this makes me think mm. of wow. a okay. distinction I sketched, I, I wrote down in a note as we were discussing earlier, but um, it, which is about the extent to which something you do is about you versus what what you're doing, right? And and how integral um, sort of your job is to your identity, right? Which again, I think it seems to correlate with those sort of professions which are very much about, um, uh, you know, Magnus Carlsen doesn't ju he doesn't make chess games; mm. he's a chess player, right? Mm. Whereas someone who makes tables is, mm. uh, you know, they're, they're not they're, it's they're slightly more distance from. Um, from what they do. I, so I don't I, quite I, get your point. Well, it, politician, it's very difficult to say, I'm a good politician. It's just, you know, um, I, I uh, everyone hates me and I never get I never get it's, elected. Yeah. Like, yeah. That means you're a bad politician. Right. right? How I, I'm, I get what you're saying. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, so it, I think there is, yeah, it, there's that sense of, in which, you know, if someone is attacking you or you feel you're being attacked and and your identity is very bound up with what they're attacking you about mm. you're going to it's going to be harder to take that outside view that sort of ex sure. distanced view from what you're doing yeah yeah yeah, yeah do you know the, what i mean the, the other myth i i saw sort of um dispelled to some extent was the idea of um uh, outlets for anger as a source of catharsis right yeah. and so there was the, 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 there was another study looking at basically um like uh, replaying a slight in your mind where somebody has slighted you um, and uh, punching a punch bag while while doing it, okay. you know, um, uh, versus um, <clears throat> doing other things while punching a, a punch bag. Yeah. Um, and then other, other forms of rumination on the incident yeah. and so on. And basically, it made you more angry yeah. punching the punch. <laughs> There's this idea, oh, right, I'm going to really get yeah, this anger right, out and right. off, off I go. And apparently that's not the case at all that people end up. So so losing your temper 
isn't like people say, oh, well, it's just better to get it all out there, isn't it? Well, you know, maybe for the individual, but actually not for the individual and definitely not for the recipient of it. Yeah, I'm, I've got a real, I've had to say, I do judge people quite harshly for emotional incontinence in Go that on. regard. Well, I mean, so, people who lose their rag, you know, in a, a sort of public way, you know, mm. people who get grumpy in public about mm. things, who get mm. irate. Mm. I don't like it. I, I think, what's the matter with you? Okay. Nice. Because actually, I want to wind up, but actually, this leads me exactly on to right. what I want to talk about as, as, as a parting question. I've actually got two. One's not particularly relevant to this, but is maybe relevant to the whole thing. Um, and although we're sort of running out of time, I really want to try and do both. Okay, go for it. So, um, most underrated Prime Minister. Okay. Oh, okay. Just, just a quick one, just that. Um, and, and then the second thing, I want you to talk, tell us um, about what's your worst uh, character trait. Um, within the bounds of reason and the decency of this podcast. Um, what's your worst character trait? Um, so those are my two questions. So I'll kick off. Um, yeah, look, when I, when I say underrated prime minister, I'm probably realistic. We're talking about, you know, in, in the last 50 years, I'm probably thinking about, right? Um, it's got to be John Major. Um, mm. I think he had a tough act to follow coming after Margaret Thatcher, massively lauded. How many elections did he win? At least one, maybe two, uh, two. John Major. Um uh, I think a thoroughly decent person, from what I can see. Now, um, I, you probably think John Major is a mild-mannered uh, accountant. I know you've got the story, guy. right? No, it's, well, it's not or... a story so much as a moment when I was in uh, a in club the... in St James's. Yeah. And he, he was walking past and yeah. he just exuded this aura. Charisma. Yeah. And kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah and bonhomie. Was, um, and, and, yeah. There was something really impressive about it. I've him. heard that about him, mm. yeah. But I think... Um, um, you know, a, a good prime minister, a really good prime minister, I think. Um, yeah, my worst character trait, and actually, you know, when I hear you guys talking about how, Chris, you say, I never lose my temper, and Nick saying, I don't like it when I see people being publicly grumpy and maybe losing their temper. I do have a terrible temper, and I do flare up, right? And I don't like it, because I do think it's a weakness. Um, and I think there's something, I hate the idea of being, um, you know, a paper tiger or an empty or a banging drum, you know. Um, and, and sadly, you know, when do I lose my temper? I, I, I often feel slighted quite easily if I'm sort of, if someone's rude to me. Um, and instead of sort of thinking, you know, out in public and so on, instead of sort of just going, well, that's their problem, not mine, I do immediately kind of take it as a yeah, murderous rage yeah, yeah if do someone doesn't murderous... say thank you for holding a door open yeah. or, or or won't move out of the way when i'm trying to get off the tube yeah um that yeah. gets me really oh, incredible i i more than anything else in the world you want to murder them there yeah. and then there yeah. and then yeah well the only reason we well, hold doors open for people is so that we can get upset mut when mutter they, under yeah. our breath when they don't <laughs> say thank you yeah. yeah um and one of the things that also i don't like about myself in this respect is who do i get angry with the most my family, the people I love the most, of course, um, with my, so I feel I take it out on my wife and my kids and, you know, and I just, I, and I do fly into a rage every now and again. I don't like that. Um, listeners, help me, or, or <laughs> Nick and Chris, help me. But maybe it's just to say, Chris, I think the, the opposite of, uh, is, you know, as you say, you're, you're never getting angry. However, I think with yourself, you're quite, um, you know, you've, you're full of equanimity, it feels, and, and there's more there's more volatility in your there's more there's more 
ups and downs. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, no, I. I, th I, I think can be. I'm not saying you're not fun to be around. You're yeah. A barrel of laughs. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm I'm good company, aren't I, Nick? Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm good to be around, but I think it's all part of that sort of roller coaster and the majesty and wonder and the <laughs> flaws that uh, is, is is myself. And I need to stop and talking. modesty as well. Yes, that as yeah. well. Um, one of you guys. Uh, well, I'll go for. Um, uh, well, I'll pick up on the on the character trait first of all because it's it's. Mm. I, I think it is that um, it is that sort of uh, detachment, even keel mm. uh, uh, element is probably too extreme in me if you can be extremely moderate in some, <laughs> some way um, and and i think what that what that um manifests itself in is is a couple of things one is uh the phenomenon of anhedonism so not being able to enjoy things because you don't have the up and the down so you just you know it means you don't get the the bad bits when you know other people would be depressed or whatever yeah but you you also find it more difficult to reach the the peaks when things are yep. you know should be should be exciting and the other thing is sort of an authenticity it's like the rest of of humankind are emotional creatures and and i sort of view them by uh, it's, it's it's difficult to join in with that that mm. sense you know and 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 feel feel authentically part of what they're what they're enjoying mm. i mean i'm not a complete robot i do occasionally um raise an eyebrow at something mm. um <laughs> uh, and uh, most underrated prime minister I, there are there are loads in this in this category you know um and i could go on for sort of political Liz reasons Truss. and uh, uh so on well <clears throat> i maybe yeah, I, I, I'm going to have a stab at Liz Truss in a minute, but I think Theresa May, um, yeah. because I think effectively, while she was a terrible campaigner, that is true, I think she w would have been potentially quite a good prime minister in post, were it not for the fact that she was basically operating in times where... A bit it was, of a hospital uh, pass. It was a hospital pass. It was mm. un ungovernable. Um, and uh, Liz Truss, I will I will put forward as an underrated um, prime minister, largely because she is so badly rated. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think uh, I think under other circumstances, um, her plan. I mean, it was all basically about her one plan. She had this idea. She was going to go against the, um, the consensus and take a a risk. Mm. And the risk went wrong, right? But it may have been under different circumstances that the risk there was maybe a small chance that that risk would have would have turned out right and had it gone right she would have been heralded i'm not saying she made the right decisions but had that risk gone right she would have been heralded as the best prime minister in, yeah i mean in, thatcher in had a very rocky first few years <laughs> and presided over a recession and probably you know it was touch and go i think it's only hit the, hit the verdict of of history in the Falklands War. I think yeah, the Falklands War, the right. impact of that is overstated often, but anyway, yeah, go. Cool. Um, um, yeah, it'd be an interesting essay, um, Margaret. Liz Truss could have been a great prime. Liz Truss could have, could have been as great as Margaret Thatcher, discuss um, or something. Yeah. I, mean, not, I mean, something along those lines. I'd you know? be reluctant um, to yeah. sign up to that, but right. I, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But no, Chris, I think that's a nice point that, you know, she's so underrated. Yeah. Or no, sorry, so poorly rated that um, maybe she can't be She can't be bad. as bad as all um, yeah. Okay, nice, Chris. Nick? Yeah, so I'm going to come out and say it. Tony Blair 
his uh, career has been now marred, really, with the Iraq war. And that's all I think most most people think Tony Blair, Iraq war. We forget that, you know, actually two thirds of his time in power was um, presided over this, you know, very successful time. And um, uh, but not not just that. But I think, you know, he really did wonders for the Labour Party. Mm. I'm sure people in the Labour Party don't agree with that, but it but it's true. I mean, he made them electable, which they weren't Mm. very good at being. Mm. Um, But did all sorts of things like, you know, the independence of the Bank of England is brilliant. Uh, The Northern Ireland peace process. I mean, there were loads of things that Tony Blair with that unique blend of personality. Um, you know, managed to manage to pull off. So I, I, I like Tony Blair. He doesn't deserve doesn't yeah. deserve his reputation. I don't he think now. he's underrated so much as kind of um, that's what he's become known for. Is he, he he's, vi- he's vilified, vilified I think, by, by quite a large portion of bizarrely the people who support the the uh, party that he helped get elected yeah. three times. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, uh, for reasons best known to themselves. Yeah. Um, my my, I think the character trait I I find probably holds me back the most. I would say is my my sort of con- the conscientiousness issue, but particularly about doing things I can't really face, which I'm in a position quite a lot, you know, of, of having a massive to do list, ever growing, and some of them I think well the the most important ones I just can't I can't face it now, and so I end up doing things that I can face now which aren't necessarily the most important things. Everything gets done, don't get me wrong. It's just that I sort of feel like if only I could um, force myself, you know, to do to do the difficult things uh, like I know I should. Then swallow I'd, that frog. Yeah, I'd swallow the frog, that's right. So I find myself sitting around with an uneaten frog all day, you know, and then mm. eventually I do eat the frog, but I just wish I'd done it in the morning. You know, I think I think you've got many other worse character traits than that. Great. Um, anyway, that's for another time, I guess. Um, all right, nice. I like that. Um, Well, we'll stop there. Um, Thank you, as always, for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrew, been here with Chris Ragg and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. Until next time, goodbye.